Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. The Stayers Hurdle and the Ryanair Chase, they're the feature races on day three of the Cheltenham Festival. Owner Chris Giles joins us as our guest once again. We're producing podcast episodes for every day of the festival again this year, so make sure that you follow the City AM Punter Podcast website page or visit your favourite podcast provider. You'll get the top interviews from those that matter. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale is on hand at Cheltenham to preview all of the action on day three of this year's festival. So let's go to Cheltenham live on the track. We record these podcasts very early on to give you every chance of getting the best prize, as we always say with Bill. And, and Bill is there. We record this Thursday edition, then on Tuesday evening. And uh, Tuesday we had the Supreme, we had Rare Edition running for you and the Pay the Bill Syndicate bill didn't quite go to plan. What the immediate thoughts after the race? No, it's still early. We'll see how he comes out the race in the morning. But look, it didn't go to plan. Um, he got taken off the lead. Uh, I would have rather he probably was settled a bit more, but it was what it was. And they got racing uh, quite a long way out. And yeah, to be fair to Sam, he pulled him up quite quickly when his chances had gone. But look, it's a grade one at Cheltenham. You can't be disappointed. He's from Southall to <laughs> Cheltenham. It's quite a long, long journey. And he's been an amazing horse for us this season. Whether we see him again this season, I don't know. Um, but Charlie will take him back and have a look at him, maybe look at his win. There's all kinds of things you could look at. But ultimately, you're racing against the best of the best. You know, it's it's a, it's a great one. It's a supreme novice. So uh, it wasn't to be, but it was a great experience nonetheless. A quick word on a couple of highlights of the day. It's so tough to win those races. At Cheltenham. What about Honeysuckle, first of all? Um, you, you said earlier on, in one of the podcasts, not a dry eye in the house if she won. She won, and, and it was an amazing atmosphere, I'd imagine. Yeah, she was she was amazing. She she really was amazing. On, on the day where five favourites won, uh, she was the, the pick of them because she was beat. She, Love Envoy, had her over the last, and she battled back to get the job done. It was an incredible performance from Honeysuckle. It was one of the best receptions I've seen in my life of coming here. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable atmosphere, and it followed Constitution Hill. So um, yeah. the script writers were... were he got it right on the day. And he lived up to the hype that we'd all been giving him, didn't he? Yeah, he was he was um, unbelievable. I mean, he nearly came in at the last, but he's just, he's a once-in-a-lifetime hurdler and just had them all, good horses strung out. And, you know, I just feel a bit for state man because he'd have won probably nine out of ten champion hurdles and he just bumped yeah. into one. But yeah. uh, Constitution Hill's a monster. I'd imagine state man stays over hurdles. He'll probably have his year next year if Constitution Hill goes and jumps fences. But, um, he, he's a good horse in his own right, but just Constitution Hill's different gravy. Let's have a look at Thursday then coming up. We've got the Ryanair, we've got the Stayers as well. We've got some big races with the numbers in there to uh, get some hopefully decent prices. But as you say, on Tuesday, uh, you know, all the prices were pretty short. When you look at the, the bookmakers, they'll be licking their wounds traveling home after day one. Let's see what happens after day three and how we, how we can all get on that. We'll hear from Chris Giles today as well uh, about Il Rodoto a little bit later on in the podcast. Uh, we start off at one thirty Cheltenham Thursday. Uh, we've got the Turners coming up two and a half miles is the, the distance here for this one. And, uh, well, Mighty Potter is going to be very popular to to win this one. We've got to nine runners in this race. Davy Russell looking for a win for Gordon Elliott after what... Um, Five wins now and four wins in a row 
pulled up before that. Mighty Potter certainly going the right, right way. We've got uh, Bambridge in there as well, coming over from Islandford. Joseph O'Brien, appreciate it for Willie Mullins. We've got Balco Coastal, stage star for Paul Nicholsy, one of the English hopes. James de Burlay, another Willie Mullins source. Uh, and the list goes on and on. And uh, once again, with these uh, novices, it looks like the Irish have the upper hand, Bill. Yeah, Irish do have the upper hand here. Mighty Potter's been brilliant since you know, he won he won a damn roll and rattled off three wins over fences. Uh, the rain that's arrived is perfect for him. It's a price thing. He's 11 to 10. He's taken on by two other proper Irish horses and appreciate it. And Bambridge, Bambridge won the Martin Pipe here 12 months ago, but doesn't want the rain. Uh, appreciate it. Didn't have the smoothness of preps, I would have thought, leading into the Dublin Racing Festival. He actually ran quite well, considering the end. I've always felt he wants that step up and trippy handle soft ground. On the prices, I'd probably lean towards him at 9 to 2 with William Hill. At this stage, I could see them being a bit closer on the day. I appreciate it. 9 to 2, Mighty Potter 11 to 10. I think I'd probably rather be with Appreciate It but off levels. If they were both the same price, I'd be with Mighty Potter. But, you know, you, these fences are here to be jumped. And things didn't go to plan in the in the Supreme for Mighty Potter last year. There's hope for us. Mighty Potter was pulled up in the Supreme 12 months ago, as was a rare edition this year. So. Yeah. If we can follow in his footprints, that would be great. <laughs> uh, but he's he's bounced back from that P and won four on the bounce. Mm. And um, look, but I, I think appreciate it may just be the value. I think he's the biggest danger at, at nine to two. I expect him to be a lot shorter in the day, yeah. and he would get the main vote. Second race on Thursday, ten past two, is over two miles. It's the Potemps final. Isn't we've got a maximum field of twenty four. Uh, this is a bit of a minefield because you've got to qualify, obviously, to get into the final. And you don't really want to show you your best hand otherwise you just go too high in the weights and can't win it then but it's nice to see david pipe's got a jp horse in the thanks for the help who's had a wind up two runs ago right up there at the top of the market with maxim from gordon elliott another david russell ride be great to see him do well walking on air goes for nikki henderson having won at exeter recently good time johnny comes over and tony martin gordon elliott's got the Bosses, Oscar, and on and on they go. Always tough. The the top one here, Salvador Ziggy, is rated one four seven. What, what sort of number do you really need to 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 get in and win this race? Do you think? Well, it's quite it's quite a condensed handicap in the grand scheme of things. I mean, thanks for help is the one that could easily be thrown in. He he obviously bounced back from a wind operation that's completely revitalised horse when he bolted up at Chepstow. Off a mark of 117, he got hiked to 128, which actually got him in the race. Um, but whether that underestimates him, I'm sure it does. It's just whether you want to back a nine to two shot, particularly if it's UK trained in a race like this. I think he's the most likely winner. He'll be fine on the ground. The, 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 there is rain due Wednesday into Thursday, so I'm working on the basis of soft again. The ground looked pretty tiring today. Um, walking on air probably has the best form on good ground. Um, I know the stable fancy him, but you worry about whether he'd actually like a real slog of a race. Maxim's interesting. David Russell writes in for Gordon Elliott, um, but he's forty pounds higher than he was when he started his winning sequence. Makes life a lot tougher for him. He's got no r- real kind of hiding place. <clears throat> he was disappointed at the Dublin Racing Festival, um, but you know he was pretty devastating at Christmas time. Um, off a mark of one twenty, but this is his Irish marks one three eight, and he has to run here off one four five. So. Um, if he wins, good luck to him. Um, but he's he's going to be there or thereabouts. Um, but this is a race I'll probably 
wait to see what the ground's like on the day. Um, horses that interest me, I'd be interested in, in Good Time Johnny. I think he could run really well for Tony Martin. He was third to Maxima for mark of 138 at uh, Christmas time. And lines up here off just 142 with Liam McKenna taking four pounds off. The negative to him is he hasn't got terrific Cheltenham form, but Tony Martin is just a genius at these kind of races. So Good Time Johnny is definitely on my radar at about 10 to 1. Um, and the other one I'd just throw a few quid at each way is Nicky Henderson's horse, Mill Green, that Daryl Jacob rides. Um, one of the other kind of uh, lesser lights of um, of Nicky Henderson's yard, but he's run two brilliant races at the festival. Uh, he was third to third win in this race 12 months ago off 138, and here he is off the same mark. And, you know, that followed um, a good run behind Gallop and Deshaun um, the, year, the year before in the Martin Pipe. Mm. And the year, year before that, he was six to in the in the, in the, in the uh, Martin Pipe as well. So there's lots to like about uh, this horse. I think he's I know he's 11 years old, but he's experienced and handles handles all kinds of conditions and ground. And the ground was bad last year when he was third third wind. And I thought at 25 to one, Mill Green was worth a speculative each way bet. So I'll go with those two: Good Time Johnny and Mill Green. It's the Ryanair at 250 over two miles, four and a half furlongs. One of the Grade Ones with. Nine going to post. Shiskin's going to be very popular. May even be odds on. I guess it depends how some of the other results go. But he did come back to win at Ascot in February when he won the the Ascot chase there. That uh, grade one beating Pick Dory on that occasion. Blue Lord goes here for Willie Mullins having finished second at Leopardstown behind Gentleman to Me recently. Before that, he'd uh, rolled off a hat-trick of wins. We've got Janadil also for the Mullins Yard in the JP colours. Fury Road for Gordon Elliott. Envoy Allen in this one. French Dynamite. And Galore goes here as well. Jamie Snowden giving up on the Grand National hopes this year. Not running in the Gold Cup. They're going for the Ryanair. And uh, also in this one, we've got Hitman. So uh, quite an open Ryanair. If you take Siskin out, who looked to be back to his best. But can he do it again here at Cheltenham? Yeah, I think he, he, he's, he's the one to beat, obviously. The question mark is whether whether he can back up that brilliant performance at Ascot. I mean, he was breathtaking at Ascot, but the weather forecast isn't great. It's a bit like the same weather he encountered on this day, uh, on the Wednesday last year when he bombed out for whatever reason. Um, step up in trip seemed to, to, to make the huge difference with Ascot. He's got the step up in trip here. He's lost a lot. I just don't like the price. I think he's more vulnerable than than the market might suggest. You can back him at five to six. But look, if he runs to his level, he'll beat these because he's the best horse in the race. There's just a few ifs. I think he had a harder race than he might have looked at Ascot last time. And there's just still a doubt over whether he can throw the towel in or not. But he's the most likely winner, but he won't carry my money. Blue Law's interesting step up in trip. He won't mind the rain. Got to forgive him a bit of a disappointing run at uh, the Dublin Racing Festival, but um, he'll bounce back. He's, he's, the, he's the most likely to pick up the pieces. And Janadil was second in the race last year. He's no superstar, but looked good on his reappearance. They look the three obvious ones. Um, my bet in the race is actually going to be Fury Road mm-hmm. of Davy Russell for Gordon Elliott. He's 11 to 1, and he's a horse that doesn't quite stay the kind of gold cup trip. And this trip tends to be on the short side for him, two mile, four and a half. But for me, he's just looked a different horse this year. He reappeared with a good win at Down Royal in November and then went and finished third to Conflated at Christmas in the old Lexus chase. And that was a hell of a run. 
and follow that up to be third to Gallup on Deschamps um, at the Dublin Racing Festival over three miles, both of those runs. If the ground gets bad, um, I think this fellow can run really well. He's, he's not ideally suited by bad ground, uh, and that's why he's weak in the market. But if he takes his chance and they allow him to take his chance here, I think he could run really well and not just the frame prospect. I think he can actually upset the front lot. So Fury Road, the selection in the run now, Chase. 3.30 is three miles. It's the Paddy Power Stairs Hurdle, another grade one with the 11 due to go to post. Blazing Carl has been a bit of a question mark for Charles Burns, whether he was going to be fit enough, whether he was going to come over, and he is coming over, as far as we know at the moment anyway. T. Hoopoo's in the straights for Gordon Elliott, having won its last two, including at Fairy House in December, when winning the Hatton's Grace. He won then at Gorham Park and the, the uh, Galmoy Hurdle, which is a grade two after that. We've got Flooring Porter, who uh, won this race, Last year, we've got uh, Home by the Lee, who caused a big surprise at 28 to 1 back in November of last year at Navan. Classical Dreams in there as well. Uh, Paisley Park, the good old time of the 11 year old Paisley Park. Is it fair to say this is not the strongest renewal of the stayers? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a competitive renewal. I mean, Blazing Carl's favourite on the back of his reappearance win, and what Charles Burns says and what's real is, is two different things. And yeah, he says he's definitely not making the festival, and then he does, and then he says he's got a setback and won't make it, and then he does. Mm. We don't know whether 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 it's true or not. I mean, he's a very talented staying hurdler, but this is going to be a real test if the forecast is to be believed. T. Hoopu is a mudlark who two starts back beat Honeysuckle and Classical Dream in a Grade One, and then stepped up to three miles. He's got the best form. The concern with him is that the three-mile race he won at Gorham last time was run at a really slow pace. Um, I've heard someone say that they get they went kind of funeral hearse pace. Um, this will be a very different test of his stamina. But look, if he stays, he's very classy and he deserves to be up there. I mean, you're looking at three to one, um, Blazing Carl, fourth one, T. Hoopoo. Home by the Lee is an interesting one of Joseph O'Brien's. Disappointed in the race 12 months ago, but looks really good now. He's won a couple of starts in Ireland. Um, key to this horse is he's a bit claustrophobic. So they, JJ Slevin's been riding him differently. They've been riding him out wide. Last year's race, he got trapped on the inside and he kind of sulked and dropped back out of it. But uh, this time around, they've kind of learned how to ride him a bit. But it's a big field and it's just, look, I think he's the most most likely of the, of, of the leading contenders. But I prefer to take a chance on classical dream, the enigma that is classical dream that's been declared with Paul Townham riding. Now, he's a horse that... It's a mystery horse. We haven't seen him since that second. It was a hell of a run, actually. I think he's a horse that's best fresh. He was second to the T Hoopoo on a trip that would have been too short. Ran at all T before all toy before that when he was second in a grade one out there. But he was fifth to Floyd Port. He wasn't his best one favourite for this race last year. But they'd had the prep on the, the kind of end of January, so it wasn't a huge gap between the races. Um he's a bit of an enigma. Uh, he's not the horse he was potentially, but I still remember him winning the Supreme here in emphatic style. And I just think at the prices are prepared to give him a chance. He's won six grade ones. He's probably going to be vulnerable to a stronger stayer in essence, but just think it's dangerous to dismiss a horse like this. And it's just a value player. Ten to one, I thought he'd do each way, but it's a it's a race I'm really looking forward to. It could go to any of them. At uh, ten past four, two miles four and a half furlongs. It's the Magnus Plate handicap chase. 
It's another maximum, 24. In this one, we'll get Bill's thoughts in a moment on So Scottish, who's now owned by J.P. McManus, who bought this from Paul Byrne in February this year. The horse had run up another sequence of three wins in a row. We've got Auto and Couleur in here for William Mullins as well. We've got Midnight River for Dan Skelton. That's all right. Gino for Jamie Snowden. Ferrero Banbo goes in there for Venetia Williams. And we've got Il Rodoto, who runs for Paul Nichols, Harry Cobden, partly owned by Chris Giles, who we've been speaking to this week. And here is Chris talking about Il Rodoto and the fact that uh, he keeps turning up on the race course. He seems to take his racing quite well because what well, he's 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 run at Cheltenham three times this year, hasn't he? And, and yeah. you know, we, we were beginning to think, you, you know, is there, you know, is he, I think to be fair, is he a little soft, you know, every time uh, in the first two races at Cheltenham, and of course there were big handicaps, he was he was there and there, thereabouts, wasn't he? Sort of at the second last, then seemed to sort of lose concentration and, and I think he finished fourth both times. And then Paul put, the, I think, the cheek pieces on him, certainly some headgear, and and rode him and asked Harry to run him a bit handier. And what a difference it made. You know, he he, he really put it all in, and we saw a much tougher horse. And, you know, Paul Paul believes, he, he, he did get, I think, eight pounds, eight pound rise in the handicap for that uh, win at, at Cheltenham. It was Ch- as Charles yeah, Day, wasn't correct, it? And, that's right. Um, but Paul feels there's, there's there's still a lot to, to come from him. So Paul thinks he's a potentially a Ryanair horse next year. Uh, so... You know, we're we're going to Cheltenham, hopeful that he can improve again by seven, eight pounds, and and be there or thereabouts at the end. It, it must be said, I think many pundits, the and the media thought that when he turned up at the Cheltenham for that race on the end of January, that he probably wouldn't last it out and would bat, you know, give, give in towards the end. But in this case, with the tongue tie and the cheek pieces on, as you say. It just seemed to change him, and and he battled up to beat uh, Fugitive on on that occasion. And you kind of thought, well, maybe this is you know him growing into a man finally. Uh, absolutely, and and I think you know ha- having him having him handier made all the difference as well, Chris. And the other thing to notice that the two of them, Il Rodoto and Fugitive, were well clear of the of of the remainder of the third. Um, you know, they 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 went on had a battle. You know, after I think the third last and mm. or second last, and you know, we're well clear in the end. So two two high quality horses. I I can't remember. I'm sure you let me know whether Fugitive is uh, is like to reappose uh, in the plate. But um, you know, I I think I think they're both cracking horses. Well, you know how hard it is to get these horses in Grade One and big handicaps ready for races and get them prepared. And Il Rodoto seems to turn up quite often and, and run his race. And finally, he came and, and won a really um, competitive race when winning on the 28th of Jan, beating Fugitive. They were 15 lengths clear or something, as we said in the interview, ahead of the third. And Il Rodoto goes on Thursday in this Magnus. What are the chances? Yeah, I mean, it's up £8 for that win, and it's going to be similar ground, same track. There's lots to like about him. Um, I didn't think he'd stay that day, but he did stay. Um, just life's a bit tougher off an £8 higher mark. I think he'd be bang there. Um, you've got a very warm favourite in So Scottish. And if all the kind of buzz of the preview night circuit is to be believed, this horse is already home and host. Um, but you, know, you get these JP horses, they get sunk without trace. We saw Takawa. They're still looking for Takawa after the Boodles. And that, that, that barely beat a horse home. And he was the talking horse of the of the Voodles handicap and you know this horse um, 
of So Scottish was second to Boot Hill at Ascot. It was a really good one. Um, the ground is going to be very different. He's got bits and pieces of form on soft ground. Whether he wants a, a real slog uh, over this kind of trip, I don't know. Um, I have my doubts. Um, he's probably well handicapped. That's why they've kept away from this race, but I can't back him at three to one. I think he's far too short. The one I like at, at this stage, as I mentioned in the column earlier in the week, is Frere Bamboo, Venetia Williams's horse. Um, will love the rain. Owned by Pete Davis, lovely guy. Pete Davis has a terrific preview night in London, but this horse is just a classic Venetia Williams project. Done all its running over two miles. Plenty of punters will be disappointed with him because he just hasn't got the job done this season. But the key is he might just be a two and a half miler. Hasn't run over the trip yet, but gets going too late. If you watch a replay of last year's Grand Annual, he was virtually tailed off mm. with a circuit to go, and he ran on really strongly to finish third to Global Citizen on background. If the rain comes again, he'll get his ground. We know he handles the track. That was off a mark of 141. He's down here to a mark of 135 in this race. And the key is Venetia Williams' record in the race. She's won it three times. She's had four runners-up in the race, so she targets this. And it would be no surprise if this has been on her radar for some time. And I'm pretty sweet on the chances of Freo Bamboo. He's a dodgy jumper. That's a worry. But if he gets in the rhythm, stays in the race, and doesn't tear himself off, I think Charlie Deutsch and Venetia can strike again in a race they've made their own. Great stuff. We remember Jack de Bromhead on Tuesday, of course, when Honeysuckle came home to win the Mayor's race. And we'll remember him again. On Thursday afternoon at 4.50, two miles and a furlong for the Jack de Bromhead Mayor's Novices Hurdle. It's known as the Dawn Run Mayor's Novices Hurdle for many years as well, with a big field of 21 mares going to post for this one. Lucia for Nikki Henderson with Nico de Boivale on board. She's four from four. She's won all the races, Warwick Sander, Newbury and Exeter as well. Willie Mullins brings over a lot of joy from Ireland, Jamie Snowden got you wear it well for Gavin Sheehan to ride that one. Under control is also with Nicky Henderson, and it's a JP horse. Magical Zoe for Henry de Bromhead. Goodness me, what would it be like if he won this race named after his son? And, uh, and we should mention Princess Zoe because Tony Mullins is just so positive as a trainer. He loves Princess Zoe, he always has as a flat horse, and now over the sticks as well, and he's always very positive. But how do you see this race developing? I mean, there's no Asher Diamond in here to start with, so it's all about Lucia. That's the warm favourite. An English horse is a warm favourite at Cheltenham, which is always a worry. But she's unbeaten. Um, she could be very high class. There was talk about her potentially running in the Supreme Novices. Um, she was brilliant at Newbury and followed up with an equally impressive performance at Exeter. Look, she's going to take the world a beating. I just don't like the price, and it's it comes down to value. She's the classiest of these fillies over or these mares over two miles. It'd be no surprise to see her go off six to four, whatever she'll go off. But when this race first came about, whatever it was, seven odd years ago, the first three renewals were won by hot pots of of Willie Mullins, and everyone believed it was just a gift. This was the race that just you, you go up, mm. queue up, back the favourite, walk away, go and collect five minutes later. The difference in the last four years is that as the rain's kind of come, it's made it a real test of stamina. And some of these flashy types, going back to when Epitomp was well beaten here and Dino Blue was well beaten here last year, these flashy horses, often carrying JP's colours, they just get a bit tired and not knocked about. They've got a bright future and they don't stay up the hill. 
and that's the niggle. I don't think that Lucia is in that class, you know, in that in that category. And I'm not going to pour too much of a negative on her because I think she's the most likely winner. I just would be very reluctant to get sucked into a short one in this race, particularly with the presence of two horses I really like in this. The first is Lot of Joy, who is the main mum in hope in this, who was an emphatic winner, dropped back into it last time. That was dropping from two and a half to to two, but still had the stamina and reserves to be second to Deep Cave on <laughs> soft ground at Leperstown at Christmas. But exactly going to that. Fairy House in February, she was brilliant. She beat Cash through check, which the form isn't great, but she couldn't have been any more impressive. Yeah. She'll be rock solid. She gets in here without the penalty, which is key. So Lucia has to carry the five pound penalty. A lot of joy. Carries just 11 stone two, I think six to one. A lot of joy. I'd far rather back her each way. And then one of my big fancies of the week, particularly if the rain comes, is you wear it well, Jamie Snowden's horse. I headlined this horse earlier in the week as an anti-post bet on Monday, and I stick by it. She was brilliant in the mud, and she stays really well. The trip is a slight worry if it dries out. Uh, on good to soft ground, I think she won't have the gears, but she was second at Sandown. Sorry, she was second at um, Newbury to Hermes Allen in a attritional, brutal cello hurdle, and she backed that up with a really good winner in a grade two at Sandown last month. And I think she's really classy. I think if she was trained by Willie Mullins, she'd be a quarter of the price. But I think you wear it well is really smart. And I, I think you can back them both. I think you've got lots of joy at six. You wear it well at 11. And I think they'll be there to hit the frame or maybe ruffle the cheer up. We've got one more race to look at. Race seven on Thursdays at 5.30, three and a quarter miles for the amateur jockeys, the handicap chase. Another big field of 24. And the Irish with a very strong hand here. Stumped town for Gavin Cromwell, who's won his last two, comes over. Mr. Incredible, trained by Willie, ridden by Patrick Mullins, was brought down at Leopardstown, but was second when running behind I Will Do It back in January, not too long ago. Angel's Dawn is in this race as well. So too is Beauport. Uh, Dunboyne's in there as well. Royal Thief. And the list goes on and on. Annual Invictus in the race too for Chris Gordon, who's been in really good form over the past few weeks. But do the Irish have the upper hand in the finale on Thursday? <laughs> in short, they've got two very good ones at the top of the market. You've got two horses um, who deserve to be favourite that have shortened up every week for the last 10 to 12 weeks. Stumptown of Gavin Cromwell's, who's been the talk of all these previous circuits. Um, <clears throat> one at Thurlis and then and then one at Sandown uh, off the mark of one two five. Got a slap by the handicapper for that, but needed that to guarantee getting this race. So Stumptown lines up here off one three five, which is probably more than fair enough. Stays well, jumps well, lots to like. Bar the price, um, look, there'll be loads of people that have this as one of their bankers of the day, if not the week. I just find these staying. Thanks, Amateur rider chases around here, particularly the Kimio, are really hard. And I don't want to really be betting at the top of the market. So look, if Stumpton wins, good luck to him. I've um, there's an expression that you miss the wedding, you don't need to go to the funeral. If you're on at tens and twelves, good luck. If if you haven't got on yet and you want to back him at threes or seven or two, I'd, I'm not sure he's that that price. I don't think I think he's a bit short. Um, Mr. Incredible is the other one of the Willie Mullins camp. Uh, he used to be trained by Henry de Bromhead and then went a bit sour. Um, switched back to Willie Mullins's 
was unlucky brought down at Christmas time at Leperstown and then ran really well at Warwick behind I will do it in the classic chase that was a really good run but this horse is a monkey I know for a fact that he's planted at home on the gallops Um, he might not even start this race and that's something for punters to be really careful of he's got real he he plants mid gallop at home and you don't want to be backing a horse in this race that might just be complete choose my words carefully you might dog it halfway around I just I I would leave those two for me, I think there's a couple of horses that have kind of caught my eye at this early stage. Obviously, the ground will be an important factor. But there's a couple of horses I think can run really well at big prices. And this is a race that habitually throws up big price winners. Um, one of the horses is Dr. Kananga, who's a 33 to 1 chance. I think it grossly kind of underestimates his chances. He is a horse who I fancied over the entry fences. Um, I follows this podcast will know that I fancied him in the beaches chase and let them a merry down dance before the state stamina kind of eked away but he was almost over exuberant that way if you watch, watch that day he just pinged from fence to fence to fence before falling in a hole he's a 33 to 1 chance um, but after that entry race they ran him over a, in, a, in a grade 2 novice hurdle so I think they were protecting the current mark of 135 and they was dropped 5 pounds for that beach run so it's back to 135 when you look at his handicap mark, where he was in the 120s, 130s last year, he was running really well on bad ground, stayed well at Chepstow when he won over 3-2. I think he'll go out in front and jump for fun. And I just think he's one of these horses that will give you a great spin, hopefully from the front. Darren Andrews has won with him before, taking five pounds off. At 33s, I think he'll run really well. Um, I'm still kind of licking my wounds a bit from backing Marla Mission anti-post at 12s who crumpled in the heat and went his son in front so I will hold my breath later on but Dr. Kananga I think could go well at, at 33s each way and the other one there was Curse Serene John Joe O'Neill's I think is another horse I think can run really well um, he took advantage of a funny kind of non-going day from a fabulous at Newbury and won the limited handicap chase where he beat unanswered prayers in a kind of two-runner race at Newbury back in February but he's a good stayer in his own right I like John Joe in these kind of races he's got four months off ground stays well um, just might be triggered a return to form he went back to his form of two years ago uh, over hurdles he was pretty smart and I just think he may have slipped under the radar here I thought 25 28 to 1 was, was a fair shout for him so I'll go Cursorine each way uh, kind of 25 28 and I'll also throw in Dr. Kananga each way at 33s there we go. Thanks, Bill, for the preview of Thursday, day three of the Cheltenham Festival, all seven races. We'll be back again for Friday's final day of this year's Cheltenham Festival, featuring, of course, the Gold Cup itself. And we've got interviews with Robert Whaley-Cohen and with uh, Chris Giles as well. So make sure you join us if you can for that. Don't forget to go to the City AM website for the latest news and Bill's tips All the interviews and blogs are on the website throughout the Cheltenham Festival. And you can follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to make sure that you get the latest episodes as soon as they're released.